Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We've been working through the New Testament a chapter at a time, and we've already done the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, we did John, and then we did Luke, so we could do Luke and Acts together. And uh, I've told you why 28 times. I don't need to tell you anymore. And uh, the, uh, we're at the end of both the book of Acts, where we finish up today. Pretty exciting that uh, we've covered that much territory in about uh, just shy of two and a half years. Um, and I've said it's a five-year journey to get through the New Testament, so we're halfway through almost in getting those books done. A lot of books to come, but um, we've, we've done the biggest ones uh, pretty much already. And so we'll, we'll move from here. Some of, the, some of the books that lie ahead of us are fairly short. Some are long. There's all sorts of difference, uh, different size books. But uh, we'll, we'll be moving into next a, a bunch of the letters that Paul wrote. And I want to do them next. Well, they come next, but they tie right into the stuff we've been studying. And I sort of want to take them in order uh, when we think they were written to tie back into the journeys, the missionary journeys a little bit. And so next week we're going to do f start in 1 Thessalonians. You might think we were going to Romans, and you'd be wrong. Uh, we're going to do the, the letters to the Thessalonians next, and then I don't remember next. And then Romans isn't too far away, but we're going we're to take them the way we think he wrote them on these journeys. Okay, And uh, hopefully then the, the stuff we covered in the journeys is fresh enough in your mind that you can kind of relate to what was going on. Remember that Paul, uh, in those letters that we write now, he's um, on these missionary journeys, as we've seen, let him go on the three journeys, and, and now he's kind of been stuck in, in prison for a while, but he's about to go and preach some more in Rome. Um, that he would go to those places, he would preach to the, to the Jews that were there, and uh, some would believe, but most would not, and they'd reject him, and then he'd begin to preach to the Gentiles. And as he did, he started churches. Churches were started in all those areas. And then... Uh, he would leave on his journeys, and sometimes he would leave his guys there sometimes. You know, we'll, we'll read more about Titus being left behind and Timothy being sent, and he'd have those guys around. But um, the church was new, and so questions would arise, because this was a whole new thing. Remember now, there are a, lot of, a lot of people that didn't even have, a, you know, the sort of synagogue background in them. So churches were a whole brand new thing. And... So there'd be a lot of questions about what they were supposed to be doing and how they were supposed to do it, and trouble would arise. And, and they would reach out to Paul for help because he was the guy who'd kind of got them going. And, and so um, they would send him letters. And then the letters he was writing back were in response to the letters that he was receiving. And so when you, when you read them, you read them in that context, and it, it makes a big difference in how you sort of perceive the New Testament because he was writing to... Uh, particular things. Now, it's all good advice, and it certainly works for today, and it's as, as good as it ever was, um, but it, it helps us then to keep it in the context that it was meant to stay in, because you, you've probably heard the expression, you're taking that out of context, and, and that's fairly simple to do in the Bible. You know, really, um, I think we all get favorite verses, a verse, but a verse can mean something completely different out of context than it really means. And so you're always supposed to read it in context. The context, the, you know, the immediate context being what's happening before it and what's happening after it. And then the greater context, why was it written? Who was it written to? And what was it trying to address? And, and that might seem a lot, but it makes a huge difference in, in what the Bible's trying to say. And so now that, you know, a lot of you have been with me for two and a half years studying this, you're ready to take it and see it in that way. 
And so we'll, we'll dig into it at that level along the way. And because, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that people say out of context that, that you, you ha- as long as you know it's out of context, you can just kind of go, okay. But uh, um, if you don't know that it's being taken out of context, it can make you go, well, you know, it, it's like, really? And, and so always look for the context of Scripture and, and how it's presented. You know, one of the things, remember, Paul told us about the Bereans was uh, Paul would speak, and the Bereans, he liked the Bereans because they went then and studied everything that he said against the Scripture. They were, they were looking for context. And, uh, and that's, he said that was great. He didn't want people just to take everything in he said and go with it. They, it's all good to check it against the Scripture. And it always should be. Anybody that is speaking to you and, and giving you uh, teaching out of the Bible should be more than happy for you to go and check it against the Scripture. If they're not, there's an issue. And so check away. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes we'll, we'll never uh, agree on everything. The thing is to agree on most stuff, and then everything else really doesn't matter. As long as you, as long as you agree on the main stuff, then the other stuff's just stuff. You know, that's why we, I know I'm way off on a tangent here, but that's why we, we love blessing the other churches and stuff. As long as we agree on the main stuff, then, you know, the stuff they do or don't do, or we do or don't do, or whatever, it's, I don't, it's all good. As long as they love Jesus. You know, and the, you know, the main things, that they, they, they hang on to the main things. The church needs to hang on to the main things. Sometimes we're, we're letting go of main things. We can't let go of main things. You know, J- Jesus was born of a virgin. That's a main thing. He lived a sinless life. That's a main thing. He, he went to the cross willingly and died there. That's a main thing. That he defeated death and rose again. That's a main thing. See, those things we've we got we to be fairly clear on. But a lot of the other stuff is just stuff. And uh, we have a lot of room for that. So, anyway, as you study these things, you're, you're getting more and more uh, of the Word in you. And, and uh, it's a really good thing. So now, um, you know, most of what Paul's going to write has a direct, uh, directly reflects on church and church life and church relationships and what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff. So that's where we're headed. But we can't get there until we finish the book of Acts. So I should shut up and start. <laughs> oh, we'll never finish. He's not ready for Thessalonians, so he's going to talk on the last chapter of Acts for 16 weeks. Okay, so this is the last chapter. You, all trials we've been going through, and, and finally, Paul's on his way to Rome. If you remember, last week was a very sort of exciting chapter. They board a ship too late in the season. Huge storm, pushes them along, shipwrecked. And, and they, they, uh, they wash up on an island, and uh, that's where we'd left them last week. Um, what you're going to find in this chapter is, is that Paul is going to wait in Rome for two years, um, uh, and he gets to live in a rented house. There's a guard, but he gets to live in his own rented house, and he doesn't waste any of that time that he's sort of in captivity there because he's got people coming constantly, and he's preaching the gospel. That's what we're going to find out. And uh, so that's a... That's a wonderful uh, sort of way to spend the time, and I'm sure much uh, more encouraging for Paul than the two years prior he'd spent, where he was really kind of cooped up. And although he had some great audiences to talk to with the, um, you know, the officials of of uh, all the places he was on trial, uh, now he really gets to do more of what he's really good at, and that's uh, preaching the gospel where he is. 
So let's hop in Acts 28, 31 verses, the last 31 verses of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after <laughs> waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. You know, I don't usually stop in the meeting of this stuff, but in the middle of this stuff. But that's, um, do, do you get the picture? They, 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 they saw him get bit and they think, well, justice is served. Now he's going to die. And they're sitting around waiting. You know what I mean? Hey, come check it out. This guy just got bit by a snake. And nothing happens. And then they, uh, oh, well, then he must be a god. But we'll, we'll get back to that. All right. <laughs> People are fickle. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the uh, chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they, finished, uh, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out uh, to sea in a ship. Sorry, I just skipped pages. Sometimes that happens. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Petuli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had charge, any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this change. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement 
The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their eyes, uh, ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God, God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And blessed be the word of the Lord and the book of Acts, as we have read it. Okay, so uh, what, what happens in this last chapter of the book of Acts? First couple of verses in Acts 28, we find out that the island where they had run aground was actually called Malta. And, and Malta was a small island about 60 miles south of Sicily. And what that means if you look at a map is that that two-week storm that they were stuck in drove them about 600 miles. So they were whipping along. Uh, so it just gives you some idea of, of how intense this storm must have been that we were talking about in the last chapter. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I can't hear what's uh, happening. So uh, anyway, so 600 miles they went along. And then um, the islanders, uh, and some of, those, uh, some of your translations might call them um, barbarians, um, but they, they weren't. It just means they were non-Greek speaking and non-Greek cultured. And so that's what was happening. And, uh, and so the, uh, the NIV translates them islanders. And they were uh, extremely hospitable to the shipwreck group. And uh, um, they built them a fire and they welcomed them. It would be October or November when all that took place. So you can imagine it was, it was chilly, all right, in the process. And so they, they welcomed them there. And then verses 3 through 6, uh, Paul, uh, you know, is gathering some wood for the fire as well. And he tosses some on the fire. And apparently this, this venomous snake... Um, hops out of the fire and latches itself on his hand. And um, Paul just shakes it off. But the islanders see this and they, they think to themselves, well, you know, this guy must have been a murderer um, because he, he escaped, you know, get safely on shore from the shipwreck. And as soon as he gets here, a snake bites him. Not a, not a great thing, you know what I mean, if you're Paul. To, but nothing. So he just shook it off. And like I said, I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's humorous that um, everybody was kind of, the islands were sitting around waiting for him to, you know, start something, start bad happening to him, and nothing did happen. And so uh, he, was, he was fine, shook it off. And then they quickly changed their opinion of him and considered that he must be a god. Now, um, Luke doesn't take time to record Paul's response to this, uh, and so we can't say for sure. But, but most likely, the, the, in a, a similar thing had happened in Lystra, if you remember that the people started to say that, that Paul was a god, and he you know, immediately said, no, 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 that's not it. And so um, I'm sure that he corrected these people as well and, and didn't because it was an opportunity to, uh, to preach to them is what was going to happen. And uh, so sure enough, in, in verses uh, 7 through 10, like the official there took Paul and others, and he also takes Luke. We know that because now the word, last week it was we, now it's us. So Luke gets to go with Paul and then some others, and they go to his house uh, for three days, which is, uh, you know, his estate, and I'm sure they're treated very well there. While they're there, they see the, the man's father is, is sick, 
And so Paul prays for him and he's made well. And the news travels around the island. And so all the sick people come and Paul prays for them and God is gracious and heals them as well. And um, uh, Luke goes on and said, they treated us really good. <laughs> and as you can imagine, um, hey, let's take care of these guys. And so they honor them in all, in many ways, it says over a three month period. And they gave them supplies for the rest of their journey uh, when they're ready to go again. Um, now, in, in verse 11, it just gives us more of a timeline. We know they left after the fast. That's why I'm saying it was October and November when they got there. And so now, with two weeks of storm and three months in, in Malta, we're into February or March. And apparently it's okay to start getting back on the water. And so they, they, there's a ship there that's wintered there as well all year. It's an Alexandrian ship heading in the right direction. And so they climb on board to continue their journey to Rome. And in verses 12 through 14, Luke is very specific in his account of the trip. They went from Malta to Sicily to Regium, which is, that town's on the toe of Italy, so now they're, they're working their way. And, uh, and then to Petuli, which is just south of Rome, and then finally to Rome itself. Uh, interesting, when they, when they land there in Petuli, um, there's some Christians that, uh, they, that, come, that, that they find there. Uh, and the uh, centurion allows Paul to go with them for a week. Apparently the ship must have had some business in port, and they were going to stay there. And so as he had before, let him go. He let him go with these guys. And it's also interesting to note that there's Christians there in that area. Um, so the gospel had spread to Italy already uh, in this time, to, to Rome and to Italy, we're going to find out. The gospel had already spread. Paul had never been there. You know, he wanted to go. Um, and yet, uh, so, the, so while the gospel has been spreading through Paul, it's also been spreading um, in other, other ways and other directions. Okay, because uh, he was excited to meet them there. And he spent a week there. Uh, and then in verse 15, um, they, they finally make it to Rome. And the Christians that are nearby, uh, within, you know, 30, 50 miles, they all come to see Paul there. And that was a great encouragement to Paul as well. Um, and, you know, finally, he was finally in Rome, which he, he knew the Lord had told him he was supposed to go. It took a long time. That was a long trip if you start including prison time. From the time he thought he was supposed to go until the time he actually got there, it took Paul a long time. And there was a lot of stuff along the way. I mean, you know, jailed, um, trials, shipwrecks, bitten by a snake. And that's just trying to do what God told you to do. <laughs> you think maybe if that was happening to you, you'd wonder if you'd heard God wrong? Because don't generally when we think God's telling us something, we think it's going to be fairly easy. Oh, well, God told me to do it. So, you know, and it's just not the way it works, usually. Um, it doesn't mean God's not in it. You know, uh, you've got to pray, because sometimes, see, sometimes there's, there are things like closed doors, and when you hit them, you kind of got to know it's a closed door. But, but sometimes, you know, we just need to kind of pray through them and keep moving. And so, you know, it's important to hang on to, uh, to the visions and stuff that God gives you, because it's, it's usually a timing thing. I found a lot of times that the visions... The, the sort of promises or the visions or the things that I felt God really spoke to me. Um, uh, I can often tell you that sometimes I would, I, I've launched into them in my own strength and they haven't worked. And I thought, well, it mustn't have been God. And, and over time I realized it was God. My timing was just off. And instead of listening for his timing, I figure it's got to be on my timing. 
And so, you know, so, so anyway, over time, I think we learn. So my only point in that is if, if you feel like God's given you some visions and stuff over time, don't let go of them, you know, until you're sure they weren't God. But because, uh, you know, it's not, not everything was God either. Some, sometimes we, some pizza things. Late at night, you eat some pizza and you get some ideas and you think, oh, and that's not God necessarily either. You know what I mean? So, uh, but hang on to the ones that, that you, you know, that you think are God. Because sometimes it's a long journey. It's a long journey. Some of the things I felt the Lord spoke to me 20 years ago are just starting to happen. And trust me, I, I tried to make them happen every which way. And uh, it's a long way. Not that he wasn't doing, he's been doing good stuff all along. Just Anyway, so uh, it's just a great example of, of, you know, Paul. When you think about what Paul accomplished in a, in a very short period of time, and you think about all the times he had to sit and wait, um, it's fascinating on God's timing what can be accomplished. Because you remember, Paul, you know, first was persecuting the church, remember? And then he got saved mightily, you know, on the Damascus Road. Then he went into Jerusalem, and he was just on fire there in Jerusalem to the point where the heat on the church was so much, the church said, you got to go for a while, man. And, and the church asked him to go take a break. Uh, and, and he was out for about 10 years, sort of just waiting. And then, and then he's back in, you know, Barnabas goes and gets him and brings him to the church in Antioch. And that's when things start happening. And then all these missionary journeys and trials happen over, you know, not a really long period. And he plants all these churches um, with the Lord's help. But, but again, lots of obstacles along the way. Lots of difficult times. You know, Paul, we'll read about Paul saying, you know, I was shipwrecked three, three times. He would think... <laughs> I mean, that's something we don't want to experience once. Three times. And he was beaten. And he remember, he was stoned to death. We read about that and, and you know, got up and the Lord healed him. And, and he, he beat, you know, just all kinds of crazy things. He said, I was hungry and, and I was naked and I was tired and, and uh, pressed out a measure. And, stra and yet he was, he was doing the Lord's business. So pretty cool stuff. Anyway, he gets to Rome, and he's allowed to rent himself a house uh, and while he's awaiting trial. And there's a guard with him at all the times, but he's got uh, this, you know, this setup now, and so people can come and go, and uh, that's, that's a very good thing. Uh, in verses 17 through 27, just as Paul had done everywhere he went, all over the world, guess who he goes to first? The Jewish community, the, the established religion of the day. And yet he can't go to them this time, so what's he do? Hey, come over to my house. And he invites them over the first time, and he says, look, maybe you've heard about this stuff that's going on, and uh, this is why I'm here. And they said, well, no, we actually hadn't heard, but we are interested to hear what you say. He said, oh, cool. You know, Paul, he's got to love that. Neat. You want to hear what I got to say? Okay. Come on back. And they set up a time and a date, and they all come back with every, you know, and they bring a whole bunch of them. And he's just like going to the synagogues, only the synagogue came to him. And he spends a day and a night preaching to them about Jesus and about the kingdom. And a few believe but most of them reject what he has to say, which is what's happened to him all over the world, everywhere he went. He went and preached to the Jews first. Some would believe, but not many. Most of them would reject him, and then he would go to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what happens here in Rome. And he says to them, okay, uh, I, I was here for you, but since you don't want to hear it, 
then I'm going to the Gentiles. And in verse 28 of the book of Acts, really what that does right there, you know, we're towards the end. um, The focus becomes from that point on presenting the gospel to the Gentiles. That's, That's what happens next. And that's what we've been in primarily ever since for the last 2,000 years. Um, There are people still that take the message to the Jewish people, which is good. Lots of things, and that's their focus. But primarily, the focus of the church has been on Gentiles ever since and uh, moving in that direction. Uh, Verses 29 through 31, uh, as I said, Paul spends then two years uh, in Rome in that rented house Preaching to everybody that will listen. People are coming and going. He's talking all the time. I love the last verse in Acts um, because it's sort of a, it's a great summary um, of Paul's ministry, if you would. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? Uh, it's a great, Luke just sort of summarizes what Paul was up to. And that ends the book of Acts. Now, um, people ask what happened to Paul. Uh, he, he apparently beats this thing this time and gets released at the end of that two years. And historically, what, the, what we believe happened is that he went to Spain to continue his ministry of church planning. And then he gets arrested again, and this time he gets the death penalty. And that's what we believe has happened in the life of Paul. Um, but the, the churches that Paul planted flourished. Um, the gospel message continued to ring out that, that he had started. And, uh, and through the ages now, the letters that he wrote have guided Christians and churches of every time and every place. So you get how amazing that is? That, that the, what he wrote uh, in his ministry in response to the questions that came up about what the church ought to look like have been sort of the backbone of the church for 2,000 years, all because of Paul and his willingness to be used by the Lord and to wait and to push through and to do everything that he had to do uh, in accordance with what God had told him. And so he's a, he's a great example of um, the life that we're supposed to live. And, you know, Paul's colorful. Uh, Paul, Paul was pretty strong-willed uh, and, and opinionated and purposeful, and yet God used him in a mighty, mighty way. Those were good for Paul. Those were, that's exactly what God needed to do what Paul did. And, and, and it's just neat to me, because he uses all sorts of temperaments and personalities, and all of ours. He uses all of ours. Uh, and that's a, it's a really a wonderful thing. And so that's going to do it for the book of Acts um, for today. Remember, next week we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians. So uh, when you want to read ahead, find that in your book, read that, and uh, we'll, we'll start talking about that ne- next week. If you're watching by video or on the internet, uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for being a part of this as well. If you need anything, you can call us or write us. We'll do whatever we can. Uh, but we're going to close here tonight um, by handling the prayer requests.